Welcome to this week's episode of From the Ground Up Athletic Performance Podcast. My guest today is Wendy Pasilico. Wendy is the founder of Live Your June, and today's conversation really hones in on fostering a high-performance mindset. Early on, we discussed some of the common issues or obstacles Wendy has most often encountered in regards to mindset with the clientele that she works with. Wendy shares how she encourages people to find their ethos and understanding of self before attending to or focusing on external objectives or bigger things. A lot of our conversation from there discusses finding the balance between mindfulness and internal processes or interoception versus detachment, focusing on external or exteroception. Guiding the mindset really determines how we frame or rationalize situation. The mind truly guides the body, and we can't hope to optimize movement or processes if we don't have an optimal mindset first. So a lot of thought-provoking and intriguing concepts and really interesting conversation contained within this episode. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome to From the Ground Up Athletic Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Curtis, and my guest today is Wendy Pasilico. How you doing, Wendy? How are you? Happy to be here. I'm so honored to be part of your podcast. Really. Awesome. I'm really excited to sit down with you. You know, looking at the things that I see that you specialize in, mindset, going towards things and pursuing things in a targeted manner. So we're going to kind of look at how to set ourselves up for success. And more importantly, I like the terminology I've seen you use a high performance mindset, because with all of my time working with athletes, you'll share your background in a moment. Mindset's very important. In fact, to me, it's kind of like that square one. Of course, you want to optimize your body and get yourself warmed up and ready and everything. But if your mind's not there, the body really doesn't matter in competitive athletics or business or whatever you're choosing to do. So we're going to be getting into that today, not to give everything away just to start out. But that's kind of why I'm excited to have you on. I know you have kind of a story background. You've been involved in competitive athletics yourself. So give the audience a little background about yourself and what got you interested in the high performance mindset. Just a recap of my journey that was a zigzag. It is never, it's not one that like climbing the ladder for sure. In my 20s, I was always an athlete. So early on in my life, I was, sports was what brought me alive. And then academics probably didn't. I kind of struggled in, in the academic world. So I played lacrosse in college at division one level. We were eighth in the nation. And then when sports stopped after college, I kind of, just did what I was supposed to. And so in 20, in my twenties, although I didn't know it, like, you know, I got my master's, like I was trying to search for something. So I was teaching in Harlem and really what like triggered my transition of taking a risk in, in my 29 year, like at 29 was I just did nothing ignited inside of me. And I had my, I all, everything looked good on paper. I had my master's. I was like, teaching the people I wanted to. I felt good about life, but something was missing. And that moment on a spring break, and I can tell that story, but basically that's how I got into golf. Basically I was given an opportunity at the age of 29 to take up a sport I hated. And I said, maybe this is my opportunity to see what I left. I left so much in the tank, even though I was playing division one sports. So in my thirties, I pursued golf. And that's when I, I the mindset really i realized it doesn't matter your craft like the craft you can sit and work on your body you can sit and work on your craft 
but if you don't have a good mindset, you can't perform. So it does, and, and it really, I would say like that was the highlight because I was busting my butt and then I didn't know why I couldn't ignite that talent inside of me and it's all between here. So I would say, and that in my 30s, I would say I, I basically played for seven years as a professional athlete in the golf arena and then I quit and taught for 10 years and, and I would say the, the other thing that stirred my pot of mindset is like I had a baby on my own at 40, never found a husband, and I was like, I'm not going to wait. And I realized it's the same mindset whether I was taking up a sport or going for, for something like extraordinary because not everybody believes in those extraordinary things. And it all, again, has to do with your, how, you, how you set your mindset up for success. I like one of the first things that you let off with, you, you talked about the zigzag path and then oh. not being like a ladder. And like, I can totally buy into that myself because one of the things I kick myself with is like going into like college, going to school and not even knowing what you want to be. Uh, and then like getting a degree and then having to go back to school and then you get another degree. And it's just like, you don't end up using any of them, but it's the experiences along the way. Like, like what you talked about there, it's like the story. And like, I always think like, yeah, it'd be nice to climb a ladder. It'd be nice to take one step after the other, but then it's not like a rich story. It doesn't read well like a novel. Um, and that's kind of how a good, a well-lived life, I feel like, kind of plays itself out. So it doesn't work out like a fairy tale, but the zigzag path is a fun path because it's just a lot of detail along the way, right? Yeah, and I just want to add to that zigzag path. I remember a time in the midst of my golf, one of my dad's good friends who's extremely successful, came from nothing. And he would say, "There's people in life that client that have a very direct pattern in how they succeed, and then there's people that are willing to take these different routes that bring them to some. You can't connect the dots until you turn behind. And I think in my company, it's called Live Your June, and I can talk about what that means. But basically, it's all about living into your uniqueness. And part of the passion that I have around mindset is." really getting clear with who you are and and what drives you what brings you alive and i think our, we're not taught that at a young age even in sports or school we're taught to just do and not discover what's inside of us and i like how you brought those other things up so before we so we can get to our first talking points here in just a moment but like you talked about the straight on trajectory and i do find true value in that because i feel like discipline and like staying with something is very important and sometimes can be a lost art in this day and age but at the same time i feel like with how things have moved in the last couple of years the ability to adjust on the fly and realize that the trajectory adjust to you can still be moving upward but you yeah. might have to zigzag to stay on that path yeah, right so exactly. I, I feel like a lot of that's probably going to flow throughout the conversation but that was just sticking out of my mind as you were saying that so mindset is a word that's come up many times already in our conversation i would like to start out with all of your years your experience uh, working hands-on with individuals what are some of those things that you most commonly see as being our greatest obstacle to facilitating our dreams and living to our optimized self, essentially? I think the biggest one that I see is people live, they're kind of taking on other people's beliefs or values. And I think it gets them, because um, I think they're not connected to their own greatness or what makes them strong. So I think one is very much important is the fact that they, they bring in old patterns of beliefs. So it's hard to move forward in that. And then, 
I would say our language in our head are, you know, there, I always say there's two voices constantly and which voice are you feeling? Which voice are you listening to? Just when you ask about the blockage of people, I, it come, what popped in my head is teaching. I taught at a very wealthy country club for seven, well, 10 years I taught, but two different clubs. And to watch people that are um, very successful, yet they didn't, they bring into the lesson as, as if they don't have a successful mindset. They come into a lesson like panicking about trying to fix everything and trying and seeing the obstacle on the golf course. Golf is very like a symbol of what life is about. So they're only seeing like what, what they can make a mistake about or they're only taking in the mistakes or they're having limited belief that they can't do something. But here's a guy that's like a billionaire made it somewhere yet that mindset doesn't transfer into something else, which is interesting to me. I like that you bring that up too, because like I say this often in my podcast, I like to identify the extremes in things and then that you can normally find some truth in the middle of those extremes. And it's like, you have to teach people to pay attention to certain details. We'll talk about internal and external like focuses mm -hmm. and environment and our internal yeah. uh, thoughts as well. You kind of referenced that already, but it's like you want people to take themselves seriously, like with something like a golf stroke. Right. But at the same time, I find myself coaching so much two times to people and I'm like, I need to watch them move first and then see how they can solve problems. Like you, you see this in the movement industry all the time, like ecological dynamics versus people who really like to coach and talk about the biomechanical model and everything, right? How do you balance those two things? Not not being all playful and, and everything's not, you're not focused, but at the same time, you want to allow your body to move and organize and just brain body connection and just having that positive energy. I mean, what's popping in my head is, first of all, we're all unique whether unique in our gifts that we have or the way we move our bodies. So as a golf instructor, we can get, or any instructor, it could be a strength trainer, or a gym person. I think the way we get taught is a framework or a way that has to go this way. And I think a really good instructor sees the uniqueness of how someone moves their body or what, you know, how, how they're thinking and you have to, it's a, it, to me, it's a very organic intuition. There's the knowledge that we learn as an expert, whether in strength or fitness or coaching or golf, and then also taking in your own intuition of what you see and how do you mesh it together, if that makes sense. Um, because I think uh, in the golf industry, I have seen a lot of instructors are trying to make people look like a Tiger Woods. And maybe that body isn't meant to be a Tiger Woods. I'll give you an example, and, and anybody in the golf industry might know this woman, but there was a girl named Natalie Golvis who had this crazy backswing. Um, and I happened to work with Butch Harmon's son at the Harmon School in Vegas. And most instructors would try and fix it perfectly. And Butch Harmon was very much in never changing what her organic way of being was but fixing it to be hit it better but staying within her zone of who she is but i really about like taking in the uniqueness it makes sense because i've said this before and i've actually spent about a half an episode focusing on this the fact that you do have to have models or grander schemes of things like you have to have certain things that are just like absolute no-goes because i think there's certain things that violate you know certain mindsets or movement uh abilities but at the same time, you have to be adjustable and flexible. And I think 
as we talk through this conversation, I think flexibility would probably, you know, be a really strong tool for your mindset. And like, for me, like I've, I've started working with younger kids. I mean, you were talking right before we jumped on, I just started working on a more business side of things. And I'm working with younger kids than I've ever worked with before. I'm used to working with kids that are competitive and, and these kids are really competitive is what we found. But I had to meet them where they were. I had to give them something that their mind could lock into. Like we played red light, green light. Instead of doing 100 drills where we're coming to balance and practicing that, I said, okay, let's play red light, green light and see if we can win here. And they love it because they can compete. They're coming to balance and they're doing it more naturally, right? So just tools like that are really, I I find empowering. I'm just going to. I know you're leading the podcast, but I'm going to say like you guys, whoever's listening that really listen to meeting people where they are is the key because even as a golf instructor or here you're talking to young kids, if we give people too much for the brain to handle, it's, it, it doesn't, nothing gets solved. So I, especially in golf, like we have to be very, even in, in when I'm coaching my mindset stuff to individuals, like it sounds crazy, but like you have to, in order to create a habit, it ha- you have to stay with that until it becomes a, a nat- second nature. Um, same with golf, same with these young kids. Like it has to come from where you're at and not pushing it, pushing more information too soon. So that, I think that's important with the mindset, not overwhelming. That's going to lend itself really nicely to, to where we're going next with this. It's the idea of where do we start? We're talking about this. We're throwing these terms out. So we're starting we, we talked about some of the common obstacles or things that might keep us from our optimal self or from a high performance mindset. Where do we start? Where's ground ground level? Just kind of take us through that roadmap uh, okay. for high performance mindset. So for me, I mean, there's lots of different ways people do it, but I'm really, uh, and obviously my experience has led me to the way I framework um, my work. But to me, you can talk, there's so much out there that you can say, oh, let me grab this to get a habit. Let me grab this to breathe better. Let me, you know, my biggest thing, my framework all goes around your ethos. So if you are not clear with who you are, I don't care what age, like it could be just learning one word that makes you strong, your, your character, your values, and then having like a principle, a guiding principle around that. Because um, most of that's the first thing I work with my clients to get really clear with who they are. And really we go back into like, where, where was the moment in time that you stood for something or where you had strength and where you were struggling, but you found something and getting clear on those strengths. Um, and really coming up with some type of, it might not be perfect. It's ever evolving your personal philosophy, but it gives you some type of anchor to make decisions going forward. My my philosophy is disrupt your norm and instigate your soul so I can make my imprint and help others do the same. Is that forever my, maybe possibly, but I'm always trying to like make it even clearer. So that allows me to go, okay, it, does this thing serve me? Does this, even what my coach is telling me serves me? And I really am always in tune with that ethos. That's the starting point to me is getting clear with who you are and then it's and then it goes into like where are you now and what's the gap of where you are now and where you want to be maybe it's limited thinking maybe it's so those are like how i start to framework your ethos where are you now and where do you want want to be what what thoughts are not aligning with that philosophy what uh actions maybe you're thinking something but you're acting a different way so is that not aligning with the person you want to be 
And then we go into like the next step would be all about moxie and grit and how you build confidence. And I like that term ethos. Now I'm going to like try and put, I guess, maybe what my, whenever we say words, language is important. Like you even like said it real quick, the way that you'll see it even with, because I've focused a lot on like movement. One person calls an exercise, one thing, the other one calls it something else. And if, if you don't call it that, and I say that you don't even know what I'm talking about. Right. So like language is so important in how we frame things. I like that you used ethos because I use ethos, pathos logos all the time to keep in, in my English teaching. I teach English as well. And ethos I always, I boil it down to credibility to like you being a credible source. Cause we're normally framing it that way. Like, are you trustworthy? And I kind of feel like what you were saying earlier is, are you being credible in your own actions or are you something that's trustworthy for yourself and for like guiding your success in, in the near future? So the way I framed it, I feel like lined up really well with what you were probably presenting there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think when you're clearer with who you are, you can express yourself so others can better understand you. But when you don't have the language to express who you are, and it's not like you're going out, I'm a disruptor or whatever, but there are moments where a coach might, it could be a training coach, a, a team coach, myself, like it's all about language. I mean, think, and when I think of golf swing, if I tell someone to do something, I've got to really be clear with it. Do they actually understand what I'm saying and what does it mean to them? Because to get them in a certain position, they've got to feel what that means to them because what I mean is totally different. I go on and on about language. Language is important. And I see people fight all the time. Like people get in arguments and they're actually talking about the same thing. I'm like, this is all just like semantics. It's just like language. I'm just like, but that's how you're rationalizing this. And that's, that's important, how we rationalize what we're doing, like how we frame the situations we're in. That's what makes us human. I feel like that's what leads to our emotion, pathos, the way that we frame, you know, what we bring to the situation. So funny. I didn't know we'd get on a real big language talk today in a performance podcast. But no, you never know. Language is important. Something that sticks out to me because like in my own, I'm really bad about this. And I know other people that are the other way. And I, I don't, you just don't get them sometimes, right? We kind of talked about not being able to view it from someone else's viewpoint, short-term versus long-term and long-term versus short-term. You see people who have big dreams, but they're tripping over their own feet, perhaps. And you see people who have their head down so far that they get lost along the way to that big dream. I myself feel like I'm more of a short term person, like I'll punch away on the punching bag forever with the idea that I'm going to win the 12 round fight right at yeah. the end. Whereas some people be like, well, we don't just need to punch the bag. We need to do this, 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 this. I'm not really like that. So can we talk about the strength of both of those kind of mindsets and what we can do to avoid the pitfalls along the way. So first I think, and it goes back to the ethos, we work on this in our framework. When we get clear on your ethos, we really get clear on the vision, the long-term vision. All my life, I haven't been great at like really seeing what's possible because I probably didn't had very limited language around what I was capable of. But I really believe if we can push what extreme vision, scares the crap out of you type of dream, where you can put it out there, what does it look like five years out? And sometimes we don't know exactly what that is, but like who inspires you? Like whatever that is, what does it look like? Kind of like write about it, put pictures on it, like they say vision board, whatever. Um, but getting clear, 
with what's possible. It could be what you look like for fitness. It could be, I want to win a championship as a high school person. It could be, I want to go to this college. It could be, you know, for me, I want to be a, I was never, I never wanted to speak on stage. And in my coaching of with someone who coached me, I was like all of a sudden talking, I'm on stage as I'm on a platform. So one is vision and then there's also imagery. So there's imagery of like what would get in the way of that vision, obstacles that would get in the way. So the, the imagery and the vision is, is seeing it out there, um, seeing what it would look like, feel like, what obstacles would get in the way? What would you do if an obstacle got in the way? So it's like big thinking along the way. So that's one thing. I think I, my experience is most people don't think big. Most people really stay in the safe space of what's possible. It's not like they don't, they go on vacation or they have this idea of like finance, but they're not thinking extraordinary. And I think that is the thing that allows people to get like excited. I don't think we're taught that to think big, big, big. And I'm not talking, you could just, it doesn't have to be a business. It's just, it has to be extraordinary, like where you have, you're stretching yourself. So I think one is the big picture and then going back down, like you have this over here and then, okay, what are the steps to take that you need to take right now? And going back to green, like the basics, foundational. So there's big and then there's really getting to the basics. I think part of the mindset that people struggle with is they're looking for the grand thing and then they forget about the foundational things like sleep, you know, all those things that matter in how we perform. I'll say this, like to, again, frame it in something that I would be familiar with. Anytime I've like run a really long calendar, like if I work with a football team and I'm programming, that's 365 days later that I'm trying to get them to this point. And I can remember whenever I first started, I just wanted to take each step and I knew what each step felt like. And then we got to these really big games and I'm just like, I don't know if we, I don't know if we were at that point whenever we were there. So like once I experienced that, what I started doing is trying to take myself to that point in my mind, knowing through experience whenever we've been there now and then moving back, just like you just referenced. Because I feel like if you build backwards, you can reverse engineer it so much easier because we talked about that linear path earlier. Yep. There's a lot of zigzags along the way. People may get injured. We yep. may not be performing the way that we typically would. So you have to change a piece in the cog, right? So like through my own personal experience, I see a lot of that. And before I forget this, I, I wrote this down earlier. You talked about disruption and like that's again, that would be another word imagery in our mind, things flash in our mind based off of language. Disruption to me means out of the norm. And it means it's it's removing me. I have to go around something. It's like an obstacle, just about kind of almost, all right, changing things. So I just feel like that's screaming, getting away from like homeostasis and, and away from your comfort yeah. and finding good stress, you know, with recovery, like you talked about sleeping all this time. So balancing our lives as well. Is that something that you find to be important for mindset too? Because we all know we're strivers, we're pushers, but balance, is that something that you feel like could be important as well? You talk about that disruption. So part of, I think, just even in this moment of time right now, we're in uh, where we just had this, we have this pandemic and we're, we're like constantly in this unknown of how things are going to be and there's stress. And um, I think 
when people get in a space of either a transition or very much like they don't have the answers or where to go next they could have lost a job they could have maybe i don't don't know where i want to go to college like i don't know like you get in this very like what do i do and then i think people get frozen like you said like this state of like just in stay in the comfort zone and when i talk about disruption that's what unlocks the answers that you only know inside of you you have to take a step even if you know if it's right or wrong so the only thing i know is like i'll give you an example when i took up golf at the age of 29 basically i had an opportunity i had no idea my my parents played golf i hated golf i would i left my career teaching in harlem and i didn't know what the heck i was doing and somewhere i had to take a step and then that step brought me to the next step i had no idea but it's the journey of the discovery of dis- disrupting your comfort zone really it is that gives you your answers so that's like to me that's a mindset of knowing you'll figure it out by taking a step that make maybe it makes no sense but gives you answers so that's one thing if you're listening and you're in this like head space of I don't know, or I'm frustrated, or you're in a struggle. To me, when you sit in it too long, there's a time to sit in it, but then there's a time like, okay, what's one action you could take to just, maybe it's just going outside for a walk to shift your brain. I I don't know, but when we sit in this stillness of struggle or contemplation, and you're thinking you have to find the right answer, it, you can wait too long. So you, to me, you always have to stir the pot. And and this next talking section is going to, it's it's really good about kind of like, again, these polarities that exist, because I want to focus on like getting extremely like granular and focusing only on myself. And then I want to focus on detaching completely from the situation and looking at external um, things that may be driving me as well. So the first term I'll throw out there, we're going to talk about mindfulness, we're going to talk about internal references, and we're going to talk about external references. So I would like to start with mindfulness. And and the reason I'm bringing all this up, uh, just to kind of put this out there, I have a lot more, I have much more to do, but I'm just researching like what makes high performers and like flow state performance. And that's a word. Sometimes you have these catchphrase words. I want to see what makes people be able to flow in the moment and just connect and and really express themselves. So I've really been focusing a lot on that. And as I've looked more at research, I've always felt very strongly about mindfulness because I feel like it's such a great place to start. It gives me like an understanding, a starting point. But you find if you look at some of the research, Mindfulness is terrible for allowing you to express yourself like we talked about earlier, as far as like the body moving and expressing. So that's kind of these things at odds that I'm kind of bringing up here. So let's talk about mindfulness and how it can be a productive tool and then how it may also distract us. That's a good question. So mindfulness is a huge part to me in the mindset department in really living because we are taught to do. So there's the grit of stretching yourselves, which we talked a lot about, of like pushing your edge. But there's also the part of stillness. And I I think that is constant. Our mindfulness is constant in the growth that we're trying to create in in our grit or our mindset, is we have to create stillness to find those answers within us. So if we're constantly doing and we're not like for instance, this week I'm I'm doing a be intentional challenge. It's really not about the grind. It's really about being intentional in the morning of who you want to be, 
So being mindful in the morning of who you want to be around all my elements that the June that I in my framework. So your ethos, your moxie, how you connect, your physicality, like how do you hold yourself? Do you walk, you know, if you if you want to be powerful and you have a you have a game or if you have a presentation, like do you walk into a meeting like, hey guys? Or do you you know, so all that mindfulness is setting you up for the day. And then there's also mindful mindfulness to me in, in reflection. What worked? What did I want to do better? But I don't think we are again taught this mindfulness. We're starting to wake up like in our teaching to young people that that's where it starts. You know, it starts with a habit of learning how to be in touch with that instinct inside of us. And it's, it's a practice really. And then you ask something at the end of mindfulness. What's the, what can distract us from that? Yeah, and and I'll kind of like this. This will frame it well too, because what uh, what I was thinking about, like whenever again, I'm a type of person. Whenever I see a word, an image pops into my mind, or like an experience. I think most people are like that, but I just have a really strong emotional connection to words. And like the word mindfulness, I feel like meditation pops into my head whenever I see that, and that's great. But this is the balance that we're talking about, like mindfulness, like focusing on something as simple as your breathing or on a singular thought or a singular movement. But the other end of this is if you can't be mindful and grateful and focus on your breath, even in the chaotic moments, how good is your mindfulness? You understand? That's, that's kind of what I was getting at with that question that I asked earlier. And that's the internal versus external, I feel like. So uh, if you want to comment on that, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, like, sorry. It's great uh, to be able to do it in isolation, but what about whenever you get in chaotic but, environments and you still need to be thoughtful? But I also think it's intention. So like if you if you are clear with the type, it could be a practice, clear with the type of, you know, if I'm thinking golf again, like if I had a, a drill that I was doing, can you stay and not be reactionary to the outcome, but can you stay focused on what you're trying, to, that one thing you're trying to work on and stay in, like say you committed to 30 shots or something. Can you stay focused on only that? Can you stay focused on a block of time that you've put on the calendar for whatever it might be and not get distracted to answer a text or a phone call or, you know, we get pulled in a distracted world. How do you stay mindful to stay in that moment in the present moment? And I think that's what you're talking about more so than what I shared. But I think, again, it comes from an intention. One of my mentors always taught, like, if you're transitioning into, let's say, leaving leaving your family into a work zone, right? It could be in your home since we've been living at home working, right? When you enter that doorway, how intentional are you being to set that time up for focus? Whether you're on the field, like, are you focused on that or you're thinking about something over here that you didn't do? And can you separate that? Just a point to bring it back, because I, I focus a lot like on the brain and performance on this podcast too. Like there's so many things that are happening subconsciously too. And I'm not saying that we can control all those thoughts, but if we can see some of those things and just glimpse that other side, that's very empowering too. And with us focusing so much on exercise, even though we're not talking about it, like getting to know our body and control our own physiology. I've talked about that on several podcasts too, is one heck of a way to like change our mindset at different times of the day and really empower us too. So like, those are some things that just kind of 
stick out to me to make us more, I guess you would say, aware of things that may be subconscious and underneath our everyday, like things that live in, a, in, in our forefront. And I'll say this when you say the word awareness, like awareness is the, is the number one. So even if you're not finding yourself successful, if you are aware that you're thinking this or you're aware that this, this is happening when I do this, that is the first step to improving your mindset, improving your productivity, improving your performance. Because if we are not aware of, of that, then awareness is key. That's like the beginning of what, how you change your mindset or how you change your behavior. And, and all that lines up really well with like the laws of learning too, because like whenever you start, you have to draw attention to something like you have to even realize that it's there and then you want to become more competent in it. And after I become more competent, well, then we need to be able to store it away to where it's not something that we have to think about with every time we do it. Like if you're a pitcher, you don't want to have to think about every joint action that happens right as you deliver a ball. But that's really the laws of learning. And I think that's kind of what we're referencing. Experience it begin to hone in on it, get your repetition, build habit, and then we can detach more from it and become more unconscious perhaps. And, and be in that flow. I mean, yeah. that's what you create. You want to be in that flow state. And part of the process of getting there is becoming aware of the things that take you away from that flow state and puts you into the flow state. I remember, you know, when I would put myself in a, it's really putting yourself in the position of what it feels like under pressure and seeing how you handle those moments. Like, what does it feel like to breathe? What does it feel like? How fast are you moving to make a putt? What's your pre-shot, post-shot routine? Like, all those things matter to get in the flow state. And it, I'm just, again, re referencing golf because it comes to my mind, but it doesn't matter what you're doing. It could be business, it could be pitching, it could be whatever. It's, it's getting clear with what, how do you get in that clear mindset to be in the flow state and what distracts you from being in that flow state so you can start to like eliminate since we're focusing so much on was focusing on focusing and being able to tap into the the flow of everything i want to take it in the opposite direction now i'm a big yin and yang person let's get to the other side of the coin here so let's focus on like detachment and whenever you need because detachment can be good. You can see things from a bigger point of view, right? But I shout out to Jocko Willing. He talks about detachment a lot, right? And like being able to like take ownership of things that you might not have seen being yours previously, right? So he's a real big mind mindset type person too. So he was who came to mind as I was thinking of the word external and like trying to get outside of yourself and trying to get outside of your understanding of the situation. So like, how can we use external sources to give us greater understanding of ourselves, of what we need to grow on, I guess, seek maybe advice, you know, from outside the situation. You know, when you're in it, it's hard to see, right? So I think you're asking that. I think that when you can, you're talking like someone else giving you feedback. You can get feedback asking? from somebody or like remove yourself and ask somebody, how did I do here? Or like, try, I guess like if you're in a business setting, or even if you had a client, like a golf client, like asking like, what would you like to work on more or what don't you like that we do? You see what I'm saying? Like trying to get productive feedback. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's being curious, being open-minded because we all have a way that we think should be the way, or we think this is how it works to be a performer. This is even me. Like this is how I think the order of how a framework is, but that doesn't mean 
it's the right way. It's getting curious. And I think that's part of the instigation of how you operate, like you to learn from others and learn um, and being curious and asking open-ended questions, listening, active listening. I, th I think there's a, everybody comes with, wants to bring their own agenda to something. And how can we actually be more curious and open? I think, and I don't know if this is what you're asking because I get very deep. So this is more in a relationship way I'm talking, not from a, but that creates performance. To me, when you get clear and, and start learning from someone else, it's asking those open questions, being curious. That's where you can learn from external, but if you shut that out, like you know, only know what's best for you and then, then you're blocking yourself off. I like how you said you're asking a question, like an open-ended question too, because a lot of times I feel like people may ask a question and then they've already got the answer, but they're just asking the question anyways to see if they either A, want to argue or B, if you can confirm what they feel like's right. I feel like everything's a shade of gray almost. So it's how can we I all look at it. I'm just going to, I know this is not, I guess this is external, but I think, again, good coaches are always curious are always asking open-ended questions that allows the student or client to start to think what they're looking for or what's inside of them. And I think that's the, the dance. It can't be like, come all from me that I know all the answers and you're my client, I'm gonna direct you. It has to be a dance because that's where the relationship builds trust and you're also getting the answers to come out of the client for their own ownership. I think there's a dance in the external of whether it's a relationship that you're trying to work on. It could be a coach and a client, a coach and an athlete. When you have that curiosity and that that's where you can build this culture that's not all I'm directing. I'll go back to, again, asking those questions because like I've had Cal Dietz on and anybody that listens to this oh, podcast awesome. know I love Cal Dietz and I love all of his work. He's, he's had a huge impact on who I am as a coach. And like he always says, I ask questions to create problems that I didn't know existed. And then I have to solve those problems. Like a lot of people's mindset is like this. I want to solve every single problem. I want to try and avoid problems, you know, rather, but I want to try and find the most optimal solution because those problems are going to pop up either way. Mm -hmm. So why don't we explore and ask questions and then we can come up to, you know, we can find the things that may be a disruptor for us, you know, or things that could be obstacles along the way. That one thing that actually could alleviate the other problems, if you can find that one needle mover. Yeah. So just to kind of, I guess, tie all this back together, this part of the conversation, what I got out of that part is you have to have both ends of the spectrum. You, you don't operate in isolation. It's very important to be able to go with inside yourself because you have to understand who you are so far. Correct. hundred percent. That's like and, number one to me. And then like, I'm always, you're talking about golf. I'm just talking about movement in general. And whenever I want my people to, to have to consciously think about their movement in the beginning, because they need to identify these certain joint actions or how these muscles should feel, because that lets me know how they're feeling and it, it makes them conscious in the moment. So I feel like internal repetition and habit building in the beginning is extremely empowering and important for movement and just for life. Would you, would you agree on that? No, a hundred percent. It's like, it, it's the discipline, but there's a transition and the, and that's, there's that work has to happen for you to transition into like 
the flow, but it's that dance again. It's like, when do I let go of thinking about it? And then when do I train it again? And then when I go back, like there's a dance It's before it comes like second nature. I mean, if you watch elite athletes, elite anybody, you're like, oh, it looks so easy. Well, no one sees the 20 years they put in to get to that point. And, yeah. and, and as you get that competence, like, like you talked about, I feel like on the spectrum, you then would shift more towards external and, and detachment, because like we could look at this a hundred ways, how we rationalize things is how we choose to believe in things. But like you, I've seen, like even reading research studies, like internal focus on like a sprint thing. I was reading a sprint study, internal focus versus external focus on the cues they were giving people. And whenever they gave them an external focus, the people actually more successfully often, you know, they ran faster uh, in the time trials. And they, they had a pretty uh, significant amount of time trials that are, to kind of prove that. So, like, I feel that shows, like, once you get that competence and that proficiency, we then have to get that external focus and focus on things beyond ourselves in both our mindset and in our actions, probably, and how we choose to linguistically say things, I guess. Yeah, I mean, what comes in my head when you're talking about all this is I had the opportunity, my first cut at the age of 31 to play with a 20 year old who was the top amateur her name was Lorena Ochoa and I played with her ended up becoming friends with her and here I was 30 looking at this 20 year old that was played all her life and to watch her operate from everything on and off the court her mindset her intention of how she took care of her body how she interacted with others all of that is how to me if you're trying to perform at an elite level, it's like goes back to the fundamentals that leads you to that moment of how everything comes natural. I mean, I watching her, there, there's such a difference when you watch someone. I, I think if your listeners are curious to find their high performance or, or, or like have this big dream, make sure you surround yourself around people that are like functioning at a high level of thinking and how they operate with humans and how they operate with their own foundational everyday things. If you want, you can see the difference of someone that got it together and they know what they want when someone's just like going through the motions, like has this kind of dream, but there's a big difference. I, I happened to be around her and I got to see, I spend some time with Tiger Woods. And like, when you are around those type of people, you, if you're not curious, then you're not really gonna ever get there because those people to me ignite like what you want more of. Um, if you're the smartest person in the room and you're in the wrong rooms, what they always say, I isn't think it? So, right? <laughs> I think so, right? Surround that, yourself around people that inspire you, that's for sure. That's that's a great point you make. And like one thing just to add and kind of cap that off, in my own personal experience, like I'm doing a podcast right now, just for the listeners that listen. I hate speaking in front of people. Like I, I don't like listening to myself. I hate speaking in front of people. And I can remember whenever I first started coaching, like I ran all the programs. So I'm most often speaking to like 50, 70, 80 kids at a time, athletes at a time. And then I found myself like, you know, giving them inspirational speeches or like, you know, trying to direct their mindset and these different things. And it's not, and I still didn't even enjoy it once I felt like I got better at it. But because I feel so uncomfortable with it, 
naturally I kind of feel drawn to it. And it's something I feel like I need to do because otherwise I'll never reach what we're, what we're talking about, high performance or like my optimized self. Well, first of all, I concur. I'm right there with you. It goes back to the story I told you, like my, my coach 10 years ago was like, where do you see yourself in five years? And some image popped me on a stage and I'm like, what? why would I ever want to be on stage? So I am right there. But that is part of the stretch. Like when something you fear, like it's walking towards that fear that unlocks your your potential, unlocks, it, it shows you so much about yourself and what you're capable. And then then you actually can stretch yourself to a different level that you never thought possible because now you opened up this fear and creating courage and bravery and knowing that you can figure it out. And I mean, the fact that you've done it a year, this whole podcast and you don't like to be on, you know, speaking and all that stuff, you're obviously people are enjoying what you're saying and you're gaining, uh, I assume confidence, but I think that is for anybody listening, I, I guess I, I would write down right now, what's, what's the one fear you have right now? that that you're avoiding that maybe it's a conversation with someone maybe it's a conversation with your coach i, I want to tell them like i want to do this it, it's really a muscle that we aren't taught so i, I i'm re really a big believer in living into your moxie or your grit by facing the fear and that's why that's how we grow and learn so one thing i'm really interested in this, this will be one of the last two talking points i'd like to touch on High performance for individuals versus like a team or group setting. I think a lot of the things will be the same, but I feel like there may be an element of culture that may be present in one, whereas you don't have to build as much whenever it's an individual. You don't, you ha might have to have accountability in one, but I'm just interested to see what you would say. Like what pops into your mind whenever I say high performance uh, mindsets and cultures and individual versus a group or team setting? So it's funny because I never had a really good coach when I was young, even though I played great sports. I never had a coach that set the tone for our team. And I think that goes for, I, I'm just going to let you know, like I taught ten, golf for 10 years. I got let go of twice and was told I wasn't a team player. It's all a gift, but I'm, but leadership, it starts at the top. So how someone chooses to lead it trickles down to the players or the teammates work or team high performance comes from the top so like when you encourage growth mindset um it's okay to fail um it's okay to be authentic and open when a, when a leader or a coach comes from that space it opens up um the individuals underneath to feel safe to open up and and fail whether it's sports having conversation so when it comes to high performance that culture that's how high performance can happen in a culture like that you're creating a culture of like-minded people that feel like they're not living uh looking up at someone that has power but we're all working with a common goal so when it comes to team i'm a real believer and i'm starting to do some corporate coaching and it really I can't coach even the people underneath if, if the top people don't believe what I'm trying to coach, you know? So it comes from that. And then I would say, when you say individual, and I'll go the, still to the, to the team, it all starts, we're all leaders, whether you're, whether you're a teammate or the head of the coach or the CEO or the parent, 
Like we're all leading and it starts here. If, if we don't know ourselves, we can't lead. So whether you're 12 or you're 18 or 20, 50, it starts first with you to get clear with who you are so you can high, push your edge. And I'll say this, I think we're also taught when it comes to high performance, it's all about success and all about like, how many goals did you score? What were your grades? Uh, how much money did you make? And we're not taught, it, I, at least I didn't learn this because I always thought I wasn't smart enough to run a business and now I run one, is we're not taught, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all what you believe you're capable of and are you gonna walk towards it? So to me, that's all high performance, your belief that you can do anything and then it's possible to make it happen. Our thoughts are what, what creates high performance makes sense and like to tie the things out again like what i hear what stands out to me what how i rationalize it like i like that you said that like it's okay to find failure uh along the way and to be open as a leader to allow people to fail like to me if you're not there to fail, you're not there to learn. Like learning equals failure, failure equals learning. Now, somewhere along the way, a competitor, uh, someone who wants to be successful, someone who has a high performance mindset will pick themselves up off the canvas and they won't accept failure again, but they won't accept failure through what they learned on all those other trials. Um, so you have to have those trials. So I like that. Like you can bring it down to like research and all those things like Andrew Huberman saying that like, you know, the 85-15 rule. And uh, I've seen that a lot with, again, flow research and all those different things. So like there's an optimal level of success and failure, all success you become overconfident, you become bored, all failure, you don't believe in yourself, right? So I think finding that balance to push your workers, your athletes, your your family, everyone is like really important so that you stay awake, but at the same time, you do feel accomplishment too. And I'll say this, uh, I think it's Kobe Bryant said this, but like, I don't even think it's failure. Your failure comes if you actually come, up, come across an obstacle or a moment that you weren't successful, you thought it was gonna go in, in a direction. So the failure is if you stop and quit, it's it's really those moments are for growth. Those moments are to push you to the next, whatever you're supposed to do. If you ask any successful anybody, I mean, the numbers they have not been successful is way more than what they've been successful. And that's how they got to where they, it's, it's necessary. It, I would say those moments are necessary rather than I don't even know if failure is the right word, I guess. Um, it's like a time like to reference back to what we talked about internal and external. It's like a time to detach and seek yeah. feedback. And yes, that's yeah. the appropriate time, right? So that, that fits really nicely with, with all that. You're right. It's Failure sometimes is a strong word to use for that. It's just, you know, how we mentally frame it. You're right about that. So the last thing I want to give you an opportunity to do before I allow you to talk about your company and everything you're involved in and where people can find you. Can we just throw a couple of tips out there as far as productivity? Because to me, high performing people are extremely productive with their time. So what are some of your key points for productivity, the do's and the don'ts? We don't have to go too in depth, but just some of the things that stand out to you as baseline. So one is learning to say no. We have a lot coming at us. So it's choosing again to be aligned with who you are, making sure you're aligned with the thing you're saying yes to, where you're not overcommitted so you burn out. I think we're too distracted in the world today. The other thing, your AM, PM bookends, like really getting clean. And I think it starts with your nighttime, 
routine because that allows you to have a good sleep, which I think is top importance of how we actually um, reboot our human body. So if you go to bed late, well, that's going to set you up for a crappy morning. So really getting clean on your, you know, it's a hard one, uh, but it's getting clean on your PM routine. Like how do you calm yourself before you go to bed? How do you prep yourself for your day in the morning? And then really being intentional for your day. Because I think, I wouldn't say, I just think people get caught up in just going through the motions and they're not really choosing the one thing that's gonna be the needle mover. So they're more in the doing things um, so productivity to me is like saying no, getting clear on the one thing, the one thing that's going to needle point and needle mover for you. Maybe it's the one thing you want to practice for your team. Like what is that needle mover for you? And then all, I, I really think your habits, your AM PM habits set the tone for being productive. Well, from my personal experience at AM PM thing too, just to kind of add personal experience there, like. I feel like in the morning, whenever the alarm clock goes off, I don't want to get up and I don't want to work out early in the morning. But whenever I get up and I put one foot in front of the other in five minutes, I feel more alive and more awake than I do on the days I don't get up and I drink three cups of coffee before 8 a.m., right? Because because now you're tired and you, and you just didn't set yourself up for success for that day. So I can really reference that in my own personal experience as well. I just did the – have you heard of 75 hard – it's a challenge, but basically you have to drink a gallon of water. You have to do two workouts a day. One has to be outside. So 45 minute workouts, two of them in a day. You have to read 10 pages of inspirational content and you have to eat no gluten or no cheese. And I thought there was something else. Um, but anyway, 75 days. And I think when you get really clean on your, your day like that, it, it's crazy how your time is just like, I don't have, I didn't have a lot of time. I, I have a nine-year-old. I had to be zoned in on what I had to accomplish that day. So I think it, I mean, that's just extreme, but I think getting really clean on your routines allows you to use your time appropriately, I think, or, or not appropriate, but like productively. Awesome. So I've really enjoyed this conversation. The last thing before we jump off, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your company, kind of what you offer and where people can find you. And for anybody that's listening, I'm going to link all of the things that she has available uh, in the show notes. So check them out if this conversation has piqued your interest. My company is called Live Your June. It sounds bizarre, but I'm a big believer we're all unique, every one of us. And that it's really, we've got to hone into that uniqueness and also use influencers that have inspired us it, you know for me it was maybe my dad or um, a mentor of mine and what are those I guess what are those characteristics or what makes you like gravitate to that human bring them into your uniqueness so you can make your imprint so you can help future generations so that was like the meaning of of live your June everyone is capable of living their June and the reason it's called live your June is my dad was Joseph June your and we used to call him the June, and my daughter is Josie June. So it's uh, to me, everybody's unique, and we all have the responsibility to live into our uniqueness, to make our bold imprint, so we can all make a difference in the world. And so I'm, I'm a big believer in that. So and everything around my company is all about, to me, it's mindset. We're not, we don't, we don't, 
we're, ter- we're taught to train the body and the craft, and we forget it, and we're not taught about the mind. You can find me at wendy at liveyourjune.com. I'm also on Instagram at liveyourjune. LinkedIn, you can find me. I really do one-on-one coaching. I, I do a minimum six months because this stuff is um, takes time, and it's a process. It's not like a one-fix thing but when I I do also a group coaching as well for 12 weeks on high performance it's all around similar talks but energy is one of them productivity is one of them clarity uh, courage influencing so we do like a 12-week really intense group program and then um, I I just started as I mentioned I did a be intentional challenge this week but um, that's what I got going on. I, and the goal is to actually do a podcast like yours. yours so. well, awesome. Yeah. And any, any questions you have along the way about a podcast, I don't know how much help I'd be, but I'd, be, I'd love to give you input if you need anything. Awesome. And, awesome. and I've really enjoyed this conversation just to kind of end out. I focus a lot on the nuts and bolts of like high performance and like the biomechanical process or how the brain functions in our performance and stuff like that. So thinking about exercise and thinking about, you know, the kind of the pieces of it, the X's and O's, but like I have not really referenced the mind or taken time to think about how to make ourselves productive or, or how to make ourselves really find who we are so that we can perform at a high level. So I really enjoyed this conversation because it's been my first kind of to think about mindset and I uh, enjoyed all the different things that you were able to kind of offer up and the different rationales along the way. So thank you for taking time out of your day. Sure. I've truly enjoyed it. Awesome. And if there's anything I can help as well, when it comes to mindset, I would be more than happy. And it's been a pleasure. And I, I, I look forward to uh, hearing more of your podcasts and, and hearing uh, what you've got going on going down the road. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Make sure to check the show notes for access to Wendy's website, socials, and other offerings. If you enjoy the podcast, go over to FromTheGroundUpAthleticPerformance.com and sign up for the newsletter. On the newsletter, I'll be sending out monthly podcast recaps, offerings for upcoming promos and discounts, and other future materials. Links for my website are located in the show notes as well. If you enjoy this podcast, don't hesitate to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast. And make sure to subscribe to get the newest episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening.